0: Good morning, Four Oaks. It is Pastor Paul here at the home office, Four Oaks Church. It's mm, Tuesday morning, April 26, 2022. We call this 10 or 15 minutes we spend every weekday morning, the Romans Rewind. So we've been preaching through the book of Romans on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks. There is so much rich, deep, um, biblical, theological meat on the bone that it would take us hours and hours, right, to to chew it all up and to swallow it and digest it, which is why we have these times during the week, so that we kind of come behind concurrently along with our series. We talk about different themes, ideas, um, thoughts in a little more detail, maybe that that we didn't get to during the sermon. And we are up to Romans nine, which is clearly um, one of the high water marks of the Bible. I think it's the the Mount Everest of theological peaks in the New Testament. And it's not without controversy, plenty of controversy. And one of the things that Paul is attempting to address, of course, is why God's chosen people in the Old Testament, his old covenant people, have rejected him. And if they have, what is their future? And what does this mean for us as the church and as Gentile believers? Now, um, let me read the passage again that we're talking about. And, and yesterday, of course, we talked about Paul's pain at having his kinsmen, the Jewish people, sort of en masse turn from their own Messiah. But I want to talk about another aspect of, of this issue of the relationship of Israel and the church the Jew and Gentile. To something I said said on Sunday. But first of all, let me read the passage. We're going to dive in. Romans 9, verse 1. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. One of the things that I said on Sunday, and I want to follow it up this morning, was this idea that. Of course, all of the members of the early church, particularly in that first generation, they were predominantly Jewish, right? They were Jewish Christians. They were folks who had been raised as Jews. And so we think of Paul and, of course, Jesus himself and the apostles and the 3,000 converts at Pentecost. All, all of these people were Jews, had been raised as Jews under the Old Covenant they had the old covenant scriptures. They worshipped at the temple, and 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 one of the things that we are tempted to think, or and, and I think it's a misconception, is that when Jesus came along, what he was doing was starting a new religion. That he was um, there was Judaism on one hand, and now he came to start Christianity, and I think that's to misunderstand what was happening to a very large degree, and I think correcting this misunderstanding will help us to think about things more biblically in in the present. Remember that all of the early church Jews who were trusting in Christ did not see any discontinuity with what was happening in the Old Testament from what they were doing, right? Because they were, okay, as the Old Testament closed, okay, in 400 um, B.C., And the last prophet spoke, in Malachi, and the book of Chronicles, what were the Israelites doing? They were in captivity, right? They were in Babylon. They had just, in fact, returned from Babylon to the promised land, and there was this heightened sense of of expectancy that all of these Old Testament prophecies about the people of God and Israel— and the coming king, and the coming Messiah. These were things that were not yet fulfilled, and they were looking for them to be fulfilled. So when Jesus comes on the scene uh, 400 years later as the God-man, um, there were obviously his disciples, his followers, these converts of the early church. They very much saw this in line with their Judaism, right? That he, Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He was the coming Messiah. He was the coming King. He wasn't the, he didn't come in the way that they expected, right? But they understood him to be the fulfillment of these Old Testament promises nonetheless. So in their minds, early, church, early church's minds, they weren't doing a new thing. They were continuing an old thing, which was now being fulfilled before their very eyes. Yet, um, the bulk of the Jewish people did not agree in that assessment. They rejected their Messiah. And we have to remember that this wasn't just the case in the New Testament. This was actually the case in the Old Testament as well. This idea that only a remnant um, of Jews were, in fact, faithful to the covenant, and that even when under the Old Covenant, the bulk of the Jewish people were unfaithful. Now. Where do I get that? Okay, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. This is Stephen's speech um, to the Jewish leaders. Remember, Stephen was in Acts 7 proclaiming Jesus as the Christ. And he is trying to make the case from biblical history why Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises. Now, look at verse 44 in chapter 7, and Stephen is addressing the Jewish people and Jewish leaders, and listen to what he says in Acts seven forty-four. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he spoke to Moses, directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? Now listen to verse 51. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised and hard in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Here's what Stephen is saying. The pattern of the Jewish people, or at least the bulk of the Jewish people, rejecting their Messiah is actually not a new thing it's a it's a it's a very familiar thing it's a similar thing it's in fact what happened throughout all the old testament where you had this entity um of israelites who had been entrusted with the law the covenants the promises but within those israelites there was only a remnant a smaller portion of people who were faithful to the covenant promises in fact the bulk of the jewish nation particularly its leaders had responded to God's revelation always with stiff necks, right, and hard hearts, rejecting the prophets, killing the prophets, persecuting the prophets. Um, we see this all the way from the grumbling of of the Jews in the wilderness against Moses and his leadership to their uh, crying out to God to give them a king of their own choosing, to being carted off to captivity in Babylon. What has happened through the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus is not dissimilar. In fact, it's very similar to what was happening all throughout the history of the Jewish people. And so Stephen is simply highlighting this. Now, what are we to say about that now as a new covenant people, the church, in the 21st century? We'll go back to Romans for a second and flip over to Romans chapter 11. And Paul is going to say something about this. Okay, um, I'm still in Acts. Let's go to Romans. There we go. Romans 11. All right. So, verse 17 of Romans 11, here's what Paul says, okay? But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will be cut off. So, Paul's saying, look, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people were an olive tree. You were a bunch of Gentiles. Well, God broke off some of the branches of the olive tree and grafted you into the people of God. And what Paul says is, don't be arrogant about this, right? Because... You were saved not by your superior intellect, or because you were able to wisely and discernly um, have the you know be able to know who the Messiah was. This was revealed to you, and and you need to give glory to God for awakening your heart and grafting you in, and take a take a posture of humility, not arrogance, right towards the Jewish people, to realize, okay, you were just a wild olive shoot. But now God, by his grace, has grafted you in through faith by his grace, by, by his sovereign choice, by nothing that you have done. Now, we know that there are many what we would call messianic Jews, right? They are Jews who still um, do honor a number of the Old Testament practices, but they find their fulfillment in Jesus. They are Christians. They are trusting in Christ for their salvation. So it's not as if... Um, No Jews are following Christ. But what Paul is going to make clear, right, in Romans nine through 11, is that God is not done with the ethnic Jews. And in fact, at the end of the age, there's going to be a great influx of ethnic Jews into the kingdom by grace through Christ Jesus. Now, we'll get to that in a few months down the road, but it's, it's helpful for us to remember now to have a posture of humility and um, toward our Jewish neighbors, to have a posture of thankfulness, to have a posture of, of, of compassion and empathy, to realize that we are part of the same olive tree, and we have not taken off and started our new religion. We see ourselves as the fulfillment of the old covenant, and now we are begging, pleading for God, just as Paul was, to open the eyes of the hearts of those Jewish people, so that they once again can be full participants in the people and kingdom of God. All right, so that's our lesson for today. Adopt a posture of humility, prayerfulness, and thankfulness for your own salvation. Okay, we'll be back tomorrow, but for now, let me pray. We will jump into our days, Lord, we are thankful that you revealed yourself to us, not because of what we've done, but because of your sheer grace, your sovereign mercy. So Lord, thank you for that. Lord, let it drive us towards humility and thankfulness. And we do pray that you would open the eyes of the hearts of our Jewish brothers and sisters, that they would know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.